Welcome everybody to the Slow Twitch Podcast, episode seven. Um, my name is Eric Wynn. I am brought to you by Ryan Heisler once again. I missed you, pal. I missed Hello, you. Hello, sir. Good to talk to you. You too. How you been? It's been a while. It, it's been a very busy week and a half. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, with you overseas <clears throat> and me trying to hold down the fort and, um, you know, work with Jordan on some technical stuff on slow twitch and uh away we go yeah so. we, we did we did um I'm in I'm still in Germany I I don't get to come back to the states until tomorrow so I was gonna say when are you like you actually flying home tomorrow or do you have an tomorrow. overnight yeah yeah I stay tomorrow um I'll probably be joined again by Ben Canute who is currently I think he finally got in the air um he was supposed to fly out this morning at about nine and um, United uh, partnered with Lusfonza completely, completely fucked up his air travel home. And uh, <laughs> they, they booked him on a plane that wasn't big enough to carry bikes. And so he got to the airport and they wouldn't let him check in because of his bike because of the bike yeah yes and this is after like four hours of being on hold yesterday trying to get all of this stuff sorted out because there was this like <clears throat> apparently when it came over there was this um like little tiny like five minute bus ride that was attached to his itinerary when he landed it like takes you so i don't know where it took him but he didn't get on it because the, even the flight attendant was just like you don't need to take that it's fine and, uh, and so he didn't, so it canceled his return itinerary without letting him know. And so <laughs> when he went to check in, he couldn't find anything. So he spent like four hours on hold, um, trying to get it sorted. He finally got it sorted. And then we went to the beer mile, which we'll get into it a little bit. Um, got it sorted. It got confirmation, everything, showed up at the airport this morning and tiny little plane, couldn't fit the bike. So now he's got an overnight stay in Frankfurt. Um, but then the, then the little, the other plane that he was supposed to get on kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And so, um, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably get to meet up with the, uh, the American champ of Roth, Ben Canute again, um, so, tonight. So <laughs> That brings up uh, two brief stories. One, uh, during my time working for Rev3, I flew down to um, do their race in Williamsburg and mm. work that event. And it was United as well. Flew into Philadelphia and then wound up on a turboprop from Philadelphia to um, the airport. I forget which airport they had us flying into, but like they had to take volunteers to take people off that plane because there were too many bikes. Yeah. And it was mm -hmm. just like, this is clearly an air route that was not planned. And secondly, um, you know, like there's been that travel trend where you try to deadhead a multi-stop mm -hmm. where you, you know, you book through and you just get off and whatever the connection yeah. city was as yeah. your mm -hmm. actual destination. Like yeah. they're now canceling those flights because the airlines have finally figured out, wait, this isn't right yeah. because you know, they're cheaper than the actual yeah. direct route. So yeah, but um, this was like, I'm a, sorry, Ben. This, yeah, this wasn't, but this wasn't a flight that he got off of. He, it was, I, I this, know, it was a it transport was, bus. It was, it was weird. part of the itinerary though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, they totally, yeah. And it's not, you know, I want to, I want to be clear. It's not, it's not per se United. It's Lufthansa, the, that airline, which I've always had bad experiences with. It's one of the reasons why I got rid of my United um, loyalty was flying international. That's like their big partner. And it was always a chaotic mess getting over to them. So anyways, but yeah, so I'm still in Frankfurt. I'm at a uh, Moxie hotel by the airport. Um, it's got a it's a cool little vibe. Should be good. So yeah. So I mean, fingers crossed. You don't run into any travel issues because um, you yeah. just jinx me. You just jinx me. Next week Have we'll it. talk about it. I won't though. I'm on Delta. I'm good. 
Yeah. yeah. Delta, not even Calion. It's literally like a Delta flight. It's good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, what, a lot of things. I mean, we're going to obviously get into Roth quite a bit on this particular episode, but we, we do need to go over a lot of things that happened over the weekend. And um, you're going to be responsible because I don't really know what You happened. were a little out of pocket. Yeah, um, I followed, I followed Coeur d'Alene a lot just because, um, you know, you had the guys from PCC who all finished, by the way. They're all <laughs> Ironman, at least awesome. the ones that I know of. Um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty rad. No, I mean, this is, if you look at the entirety of the calendar, this is probably the busiest weekend. Um, because you had, you had Roth, you had multiple Ironman and Ironman 70.3 events. You had a world triathlon series race. Like this was a crazy busy weekend, Mm -hmm. um, overall. So, you know, just touching base with Coeur d'Alene. Number one, Sam Long, actually human, unfortunately wound up not finishing in CDA. Human or crappy tires? Well, both. But, I mean, he can't win everything. That's true. That's true. Uh, Unlike Daniela Reef, who literally has not lost outside of... um, She's won every 140.6 she's done, with the exception of Hawaii, since 2016. Yeah. Yeah, Which is an absurd stat. I was I was I was fascinated to read that in your your preview because I didn't know that. But um, Chris Lieferman, Jody Robertson take the wins in Coeur d'Alene. <sighs> Lieferman's putting himself Good really kind of together here. Good for Chris, man. I love that guy. He's so cool. He's just a good dude. All American top five for the men at CDA mm-hmm. with Lieferman, Mad Marquardt. Justin Metzler, Adam Fay, and Dylan Gillespie take the top five slots there. Mm-hmm. Um, on the women's side, you know, Haley Chura led that race for a long time. I know. That, I was no offense to the the winner, but I, I really wanted to see Haley come come with a, a first place win. But, you know, like Haley, to her credit, hung tough. Like usually like she swims and bikes the lights out of it. And then, you know, it's kind of a slow slide down the rankings on the run. And to her credit, took second place, you know, relatively comfortably. And the other big story is Melanie McQuaid, 50 years old, third place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dee Dee's best friend in the age group category. (laughs) I mean, um, unbelievable. So she's picked up her Kona slot. um, And that'll be kind of a really cool story to follow along. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, just a, a really good overall race, uh, really tough conditions for a lot of age groupers. It got warm as it usually does in CDA. Um, and the terrain just ate some people up. I had some friends who, you know, were easily 60 to 90 minutes slower than they quote unquote normally are, um, just given the day that yeah. developed so so now i i saw a preview uh email from iron man where they had extended the 70.3 for three years does that mean the full is done so as of right now the only north american iron man races that will qualify for 2024 worlds taking place in the spring of 2024 are Ironman Texas in April. And then you jump all the way to Lake Placid in July. No, but is Ironman Coeur d'Alene done? So it's a 70 point. They extended an agreement for three years as a 70.3. On a 70 point. Yeah. So the, so the Ironman distance is done. Yeah. Which doesn't surprise me. I mean, they had, they had less than a thousand participants this year. So it, it was weird with, um, you know, you had a really fragmented calendar on the front end with the whole sport is fragmented right now. It's crazy. I'm finally starting to wrap my arms around and I don't really know how to articulate it yet, but I'm thinking about it uh, on what's really happening with the sport with participation at this point, because you're starting to see it not only within the age groupers, but you're starting to see it in the pros. And, it, and it's almost like like what you just said earlier, where it was all American men at Coeur d'Alene, like that's who raced. And, and you're starting to see that where, you know, 
really at the end of the day, like people are sticking around to their regions. Like they're just not traveling for races. Well, I mean, it, 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 part of that smart, if you're trying to pick up, you know, under the Ironman qualification system right now, right? Like with the slots, like mm -hmm. if you're weighing things up and I mean, you know, both huge race, but you know, you look at the prize purse for like fifth through eighth place and you're talking, you know, a thousand euros, 800 euros, 700 euros. Yeah, right? but, but it's always been that way. They, they pay, they pay appearance of fees. Sure. But you're also seeing people having to be more strategic in their decision making of like, where am I a likely going to get paid? And mm -hmm. B, where am I likely going to pick up the stuff that unlocks the rest of my race calendar? Yeah. Yeah. What's in speaking with Sky Munch um, about why she wasn't at Roth this year, she said she was too late to the appearance fee and it just wasn't worth going over there for, you know, fifth or sixth, seventh place if she had a bad race. So that makes a lot of sense. Just looking at the, you know, American calendar, right? So you had. You had St. George this year. You had Tulsa this year. You had Coeur d'Alene and then Placid. And, you know, from Texas to Lake Placid next year, you know, you have three races that are getting pulled out. And part of that just comes down to there were too many events yeah. taking place at too many points in time. You know, if you look at the back half of the year, we're probably oversaturated in the southeastern United States in that mm -hmm. September to November time frame mm -hmm. um, with Chattanooga and Maryland and Ironman Florida, 70.3 Augusta, another kind of big one. And so this is kind of the, the pivot, I think, Ironman's making where they're going to have their sort of tentpole flagship events of which you know texas has proven itself to be one placid if they can hold on to the contract will be one i think sacramento california that race is sold out again that will be one and then they're going to do more of these pop-up races in big cities where they can you know get people to an event have you know, a unique experience and then people are on to the next thing. Yeah. And so like you look at, that's why their race in Jones beach is sold out, but Atlantic city, which used to be kind of like the big draw in early September in that area isn't sold out. Like everyone rushed to the new one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of those cities to your point, they're not worth going back a couple of times to, cause they're not, really special they're not really unique like they're cool going once like atlantic city like i would never go back there again i mean no offense to the people that live there but i hate that swim like in the backwater of bader field like it's just it's if that swim were actually in the ocean that race would be amazing yeah because mm -hmm. the run on the boardwalk's really cool it is um you get covered in cigarette smoke the entire time but the run on the boardwalk is really actually kind of cool but that swim, like you come out and you're half brown and you chafe just the rest of the day. It's yeah. awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had some cancellations. What, what was up with uh, Canada, man? Everything's burning so, out there. Um, Montremblant 70.3 and then uh, the relay event at the World Triathlon race in Montreal um, were both pulled off due to air quality index. Um, the severe wildfires that are going on throughout Canada, um, you know, it was really interesting because all it took was the wind shifting direction overnight. And it went from an AQI in the low 50s to be above 175. Um, now, Iron Man, like when they said, uh, sent out their statement, they said that Iron Man has their own standards with regard to air quality index. Um, there's also really prescriptive stuff when it comes to Health Canada and mm -hmm. with sporting events and everything else. Mm -hmm. So um, 
although this situation was unique to, you know, essentially venues that are roughly 40 miles apart at, at best, um, you know, we have had a trend in the Northeast, like Eagle Man was really questionable as to whether or not it was going to go off a couple of weeks ago because we got trapped in that pocket of bad air for a long period of time. Um, and so, you know, really unfortunate for all of the athletes involved. There's There hasn't been word yet in terms of um, what Ironman respectively will do for those athletes who were unable to participate. Um, speaking from the past, right, like when Tahoe took place in uh, I think it was 2013, there was cancellation due to wildfire. Um, they offered, you know, a transfer to any open event. I would suspect we'd see something somewhat similar um, here, but it's just, it was really shitty for everyone involved because it happened literally like 15 minutes before the race was supposed to start. Yeah, yeah. But you also can't cancel that, like, that far in advance right like air quality is really weird because you know all it took was a shift in wind direction right Mm -hmm. like if the wind hadn't shifted until four hours later that race would have happened yeah yeah they were saying that there was ash on their bikes when they got yeah yeah and i mean like we had that air here at tundra division headquarters well Um, that air was in new york like a month ago and do you remember social media yeah no no i I mean i'm nuts i'm i'm roughly halfway between you know montreal and uh new york Mm -hmm. city and it was just i'm not particularly sensitive to it like i could not go for a run outside yeah at all wow um and like my house stank of smoke yeah so it's Ironman like, canceled I... that race because of weather, and then the PTO canceled their Collins Cup because why? Of a whole host of reasons, apparently. Um, in the worst kept secret in triathlon, uh, no fourth event um, for the PTO in 2023. That includes the Collins Cup, which has been, you know, if you think about it, that's really been their hallmark event. Um, since they got events up and off the ground. In my opinion, it's literally the only thing that they do that's kind of cool, like different. Well, the rest of them are just big prize money and big racing. And, but like the Collins cup is actually like unique, right? So, so that's where I thought the Collins cup could get really kind of interesting because they want to model it off of golf's Ryder cup. Right. And it's hard to do with three teams that are triathletes. The thing that I thought they could do is really turn it into like a three or four day thing. Right. Where you're not just putting three people head to head in their hundred kilometer distance race, like do some interesting team based stuff. Make it yeah. an event that people want to follow for multiple days. You have this venue where you have that option. There's no way they could afford that. Like the, they're, you know, and you can see it now where the, the PTO is starting to understand how much money it's spending doing these things. Like the bar was set so high. And so anything that they're going to do to change things and try to reel that in, they're going to get criticized for. Um, yeah, no. And I mean, looking specifically at the, uh, the email that they had distributed on this front, right? So they're saying, and I'm quoting, to support creating a more consistent calendar, the PTO will evolve its membership agreements to provide travel support and marketing contracts to the highest ranked athletes at PTO tour events. Selections will be based on your PTO ranking, so there is no need to do anything different or change your current racing plans. Just perform to your potential as a professional. What's really kind of interesting to me is they've really made the decision that they're going to go whole hog after the absolute 
top end of the sport and everybody else can get bent. Yep. Um, and uh, I don't necessarily fault them from a business case perspective on that front. Right. But what that tells me is that they're really just another race production company at this point. Imagine that. Imagine um, that. That's shocking. And, That's shocking to learn that they didn't really care about all of the professional athletes like they claimed to for so many years. I mean, the tough part is, right? Like there were areas of opportunity and those areas of opportunity still kind of exist. Like they, the PTO could still exist as an athlete advisory board thing and they could try to inject capital and essentially turn you know, a couple of races into, you know, like triathlons majors, right? Like Mm -hmm. to use another golf analogy, like they could be the ones who decide, all right, Ironman worlds, Ironman 70.3 worlds, and let's say Roth, right? Like those are, those are our new majors, right? Like this is where we're going to funnel all the money into. This is where we're going to funnel the broadcast dollars. And we've got to work on partnering with those two organizations to make that thing happen. They could. Um, I don't think that's the direction they're going to take. I think they are going to continue to try and partner with other race events like they did in Ibiza, like they're supposed to do for the U.S. Open this year, where it's in conjunction with USAT Nationals, right, to try Mm -hmm. and build the atmosphere around the event, Um, because that was something they did well. Um, But, you know, from from a product standpoint, like it's really just about like, let's get the biggest names in the sport and pay them more. Um, and hopefully that turns into something else, which is, you know, like that's the, you know, in the step one, step two, step three is the question marks and step four is profit. Like we're on that question mark stage right now. (laughs) Like what's the, how do we get there? I hope they figure it out. You know, it's look, I don't particularly like the T the PTO. I'm not, you know, I, I never really have. Um, it's just because I don't think they, I mean, people complain that Iron Man are trans- transparent, like to me personally, like the PTO is that times a thousand. But with that said, um, I want anybody that brings awareness and brings capital to the sport that we love to be successful and to stay. And so I yeah. really hope that they can figure out a way to do that um, because that benefits all of us. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been around the block long enough to see people with deep pockets and big prize purses and hopeful media stuff, you know, come into the sport a few times over. We worked mm-hmm. for one of them, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, like every time they've made a splash and then that puddle has effectively evaporated, right? Yeah. And we, we need, you know, like we need ventures like this to succeed. Yeah, we right? need slow growth. We need slow, steady Sustainable growth. growth. The word is so overused these days, but sure. I mean, I'm going to hit corporate bingo on this one. There you go. There you go. Okay. I got to vomit it out of my system. All right. Anything else happened over the weekend that we missed? Well, Cam Wirth decided that he was going to race another Ironman. What an absolute (laughs) legend. Did you read his Instagram post post race? I did not. Not quoting him because I didn't really memorize it, but essentially about a kilometer into the swim, he realized how fucked he was. It's a good place to realize how fucked you are. But he, but he made a statement that, that, that echoed to me really, really well. And that was out of pure respect for the event and the race and and everything. And And I'm paraphrasing this. He just, he 
he sucked up and he finished the damn thing. And as he finished it, as he continued to go, his day kind of, it turned around. Um, but you know, it guys like him and, and, and girls like him, you know, athletes like him who have, they just, they're in it for the pure love of sport and, and to see what their body can do. But, but ultimately it's, it's a love and a passion for sport. And, um, I just thought that was really cool that, um, that he could differentiate the difference between this day is going to suck, but I'm going to be okay. Or, you know, I'm going to injure myself if I continue to do this. He, he knew that it was going to suck, but he was going to be okay. And he wanted to stop because he was so tired. But at the same time, he was like, no, I don't, I, I can't disrespect the gift that I've been given. I can't disrespect the sport. I signed up for this. I'm physically able to do it, even though it's going to mentally hurt. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So kudos to him, man. Like, yeah. And he, and he ended up, what did he do? Second? Something Maybe like he was that. Second, second. Oh, well, no, I think he, he was second when I saw towards he, the end. I think he finished fourth. He was like yeah, fourth Yeah, I know overall. Clement yeah. Mignon was, wound up winning. Like, yes. Good yeah. For, good for him. Mm-hmm. Home yeah. turf yeah. thing, right? It's the first um, French person to win in a, a, quite a long time. It was like six or seven years. This but, is the difference um, between our podcast and like, Pro Tri News is they're exact with their data, and we're just kind of winging it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I found interesting with, like, when you say that with Cam, right? Um, it's that spirit of, you know, like, I am going to try and test my limit and really respect the sport and respect this thing, right? Like, that came out in your conversation with Felix, right? Like mm-hmm. you could feel that man's passion for oh, yeah. everything. And so, you know, this is my ham handed transition into us talking about growth yeah. because, you know, just unbelievable day, right? Like cannot underscore the pro performances out of everybody, right? Like you have, Magnus Ditlev taking, what was it, 10 minutes off of Gianfredinho's mm-hmm. old record. You have Daniela Reef taking 11 minutes off of Chrissy Wellington. Like, unbelievable performances. Yeah. Both of those individuals were there to witness their crucifixion of their records, passing medals on to their successors, which was pretty awesome. And they were both so happy for. Oh, Chrissy Wellington cried so so much that day. It was it was it was really touching to see. Um, it was cool to see her. I haven't seen her in person in like ten years, and uh, yeah. no, it wasn't. It hasn't been that long. It's, it's been seven years. Seven years since I've seen her in person. Um, um, but you know, we both kind of looked at each other. We we're like, because you know when we were there together as, you know, athlete, photographer, you know, good friends, coworkers, um, it, it was 12 years ago. And, you know, it, and to see the difference that had changed, not only in our own personal lives, you know, both getting married, both having kids, um, you know, and, and, and now we were there, you know, kind of doing the same thing, you know, but just a little bit different. It was fun. And then you had Patrick Longa setting the, you know, marathon record. All it takes is 50 and, millimeter and, shoes, man. And, <laughs> and being really, really good at running. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the crazy part is if they would switch that marathon, he probably would have went to 47, 248. Because the way that it is now the last five miles is they've, they've got like these really big rolling hills through yep. cobblestone creeks. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so there's just no way that he can go that fast on those at the end. Um, and so, you know, Felix, if you're <clears throat> looking for a, another way to break records next year, just flip that. Leave it alone. <laughs> just leave it alone. <laughs> um, and Ben Canute had a phenomenal day, third place in his second full distance race. Uh, third place. Really good. 
fastest American man ever at Roth, seventh fastest time ever at Roth. Yeah. Um, outstanding day, you know, on the women's side, Chelsea Sodaro was right there for a long period of time. And then, just well, completely. she was never, she, we, we, well, define in, what do you mean right there? Podium positioning. Cause oh, yeah. you know, she uh-huh. was in, she was running second for, you know, a good 13, 14 miles of the, uh, marathon. And then just, I don't think so. She was in third. Let me, let me figure this out. She was in third place at mile. She passed Lisa. Four. She passed Lisa just past the 5K mark. And then and, she was up in second through mile 17, I think is when uh, literally it went, she went from second to non existent <laughs> on the tracker. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, on Instagram, she was saying just completely screwed up nutrition somewhere along the lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And pulled out there. Um, but you had Ann Haug, like just another Uber runner. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, and then Laura Philippe, uh, another excellent day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. You know, just nobody was was catching reef though that day. Like I mean, no one was catching Magnus. It was the scary part is both of them like they essentially ran the same race, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. but they were at the front from the gun and Mm -hmm. never left. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if Daniela's at the front when she swims, like look out. Yeah. Like close the book. Yeah. Because it's going to take, um, it would literally take someone doing to Daniela what Chris McCormack had to do to um, Craig Alexander in Kona in 2011 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in order to beat her. Like, you got to get everybody all together <laughs> to, to work with one another and pray you can separate from her. Yeah. And I don't know how you do that outside of... Like the only place where Daniela has seems to not swim to her potential is Kona. Yeah. Like you give her a wetsuit swim and just gone. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. She, she had a phenomenal day um, out there. I mean, every single time she just never looked uncomfortable ever. I mean, and it was, it wasn't like Kona hot, but it wasn't. It, it was, was not cool. Yeah, it was hot. And there was there was no wind on the bike whatsoever. And there was barely a breeze later in the marathon. Other than yeah. that, it was just it was just sun all day. Yeah, no, I mean Ben Ben looked really warm in the last yeah. four or five miles. Uh, he said he said train. the last five miles of the race was the hardest thing he's ever had to endure in his life from a pain perspective. He <laughs> He reconsidered his long course <laughs> and a series of career. questionable life decisions. Yeah, yeah, very, very much, very much so. Um, um, yeah, but, it was, it was, it was great racing. Um, yeah. The guys obviously was. I mean, they were more exciting because there was more dynamics playing out in the in the men's race, right? Um, Daniela was just kind of like. I mean, the women's race, it was just like, okay, who's going to come in second, third, right? Because it just wasn't wasn't happening for anybody else. No, I mean, you had uh, Sam Laidlow with Magnus for a long period of time, and then they got on the run. And, you know, Sam, to his credit, toughed out a very difficult marathon for himself. And He did. Um, it, it showed a lot of uh, maturity. That, that he started to gain through this, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, it, he's still recovering too, yeah. right? Like oh yeah, the guy for sure. Had a yeah. liver infection, right? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and he was in good spirits, um, post post race. Um, you know, obviously he was, you know, sad, but, um, he didn't look emotionally beat up when, when I talked to him briefly at the volunteer party, um, the day after he, um, you know, you worry about humans in, in situations like this where they get on the, the, you know, the big stage 
and they have some success and everybody just puts so much fucking pressure on these individuals, right? At such a young age. And, um, you know, you worry that they can't understand that, that, Hey, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some and that's okay. You know? Um, right. so it was, it was good to, to see that, that he, he was taking it pretty well. So yeah, that was, that was good. Um, and I mean, let's not forget, like guy was leading the Ironman world championships for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised that he didn't bike as much in the front. Um, this time around he he tend to and i i was i was busy on a motorcycle on major highways trying to get from point to point on the race <laughs> so let's talk but about every that time i saw him he was behind magnus which is a smart place to be like, yeah let's be is. honest like i mean yeah. magnus is a big dude like yeah um it still can be like trying to draft off of the back of a two by four that's on a pickup truck, right? Like you're not, like it, when analogy. you get that draft, you're going to get a nice benefit, but, yeah. um, but no, let's, you know, one of the things that was big in the lead up to this race was the change <clears throat> to media access throughout the day. And so yeah. like, Tightening up how, safety was, protocols. how was your experience kind of, going through everything on uh, Sunday. It was different. Um, it was, you know, I, I can't say it was dramatically different for me. Um, sure. Just because I've, I've been doing this for so long and I've been in so many situations where, um, you know, courses are tight, um, motorcycle drivers didn't show up. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've shared motos before I've, I've not been given motos plenty of times. Um, I've had access where, you know, you can be two feet away from any pro for as long as you want. Um, but you know, they definitely took it. I mean, they were taking it serious before the, the, the tragedy at Hamburg. Um, but they, but that was elevated because of that, um, which isn't a bad thing because, you know, we all know that everywhere, uh, moto access has, has kind of gotten out of control when it comes to non endemic, non true media. Um, you know, every race had gotten to the point where, you know, managers of athletes were on the back of motos, you know, VIP were on the back of motos. Um, it, it wasn't just an Ironman thing. Um, it just happened more at Ironman events because there's more Ironman events. Um, it, I think there's more Ironman events like sponsors, media, like yes, less yeah, media, sure. but like sponsors and athlete sure. representatives and everything else, yeah. like more likely to appear there because, you know, as Felix talked about, like bonuses are more likely to be paid at Ironman brand events. Right. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. And, you know, but you know, the, the thing with Roth and, and I want to get back to the moto second, you know, for in a little bit, but I, I do want to illustrate this. And this is, this is something that I, it dawned on me when I was coming back and we were headed to the finish line and Roth can't happen anywhere else. That size of an event. Yeah. Or triathlon yeah. cannot happen anywhere else. And, and there's, and it, and it's not because of the organization per se. I mean, Felix top notch, right? It's because the community all follows directions. They all follow the rules. So you have for, for the most part, outside of like some of the international people that come over and they're, you know, whether they're American or whatever, and they just like, I don't give a shit, you know, I'm not going to follow this rule, right? 99.9% .9 of the people out there, out of the 300,000 spectators that are there, follow the rules. And they follow yeah. the rules because that's what they want to do. Not because they're afraid. Not, they're they're kind of like Cam Rorf in regards to like they respect the event so much and they expect the process so much that they just follow the rules because I couldn't believe how many people were on the run course. Yeah. It, it, it reminded me of being at the tour de France for some of the stages. 
But everyone, everyone was following the rules of where they could go, when to cross, when not to cross. And no one, no, there was like not a single asshole to be seen trying to cross the road while somebody was running or anything like that. And it was the same with the bike course. Every single car out there that was stopped was just patiently waiting and watching the police officer to go right or to go left. Nobody was fucking honking. Nobody was irritated. It was a pure community event. And, and the reason that is, and there's many, but the two reasons is number one, it's a cultural thing that in America we have gotten away from. And that is, is we tend to America think that we're inconvenienced and that's a pain in the ass and screw you. We're going to do what we want because we're late for our whatever. And the other thing is it's, it's been the same event for almost 40 years in the same town with the same exact united goal. And that is, is every single summer, there's this amazing event that happens in Roth and everybody knows about it and everybody's involved and everybody loves it. And if they don't love it anymore, they have moved out because yep. there's no way that you can exist in that town during that week if you're irritated with it, like, because it takes over the entire town and that is is one of the main reasons it makes it so special and unique and it's it's also one of the reasons why <clears throat> you can't compare it to any other strategy when it comes to growing sport because there's too many single variables that go into play to make that race what it is well i mean what makes i mean it it requires a community effort right and you know there are, there's a the single side of the cultural difference, right? Like Germans are world renowned for following rules, right? Like there's an order oh, of operations, yeah. right? Like I tried to get my moto driver to park 20 yards, like in a place where he wasn't supposed to park. Right. And I didn't know that, but I was just like, just go park over there. And he's just like, no, I can't do that. And he parked like 20 feet in front of this other spot that I suggested him going to. And I was right. just like, man, like if I was on a, like, and it wasn't like, I wasn't trying to get him to like park, you know, across or whatever. It was just, I saw a parking spot that I thought was safe. And he's like, no, I can do that. It's on the course. I was like, oh, okay. Like, cool. <laughs> but, um, large events like this require such community support and they have to be built into the fabric of mm -hmm. their being. Right. Like, yeah. It's why some of the world marathon majors work like Boston is Boston because the whole city supports that race and all of the surrounding communities along the line. Yeah. Um, and you know, that has been one of the bigger challenges that we've had as a sport with certain events because we either lack the community support from the outset and we haven't done a good enough job explaining what we're trying to do. Or over time, we've eroded that community support for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why, you know, like there's a model th there, but all of the like you can't take that community somewhere else. Like you have to build it. And you do. like that takes um, a lot of heavy lifting. And I think that goes back to kind of the conversation we had, we were having earlier about like, there's going to be certain Ironman races that are their tent poles. And it happened, it's going to happen to be in the places where they've managed to create courses and create enough of a community to see a lot of the benefit. Um, they're not going to be the same crazy party atmosphere that Roth is, right? Like the, you can only replicate that in one place and one place only because there's too many other dynamic elements involved. Yeah. But, you know, at least from a getting a community to support an event, like there's stuff that you can pick up from there. 
Yeah, you, you totally can um, when it comes to little things, right? Um, for example, <clears throat> the finish line, you know, yeah. that, that's not a permanent stage. They built that stage um, and the stage is huge. Um, guess what? That stage would never fit in Kona. Never. No. Guess what? We're not doing all the world championships at Kona anymore. So, you know, we're getting away from, you know, the little tiny island that is Kona and that size limitations that are there. Um, you know, and so there's, but, but kind of back to my experience from a media perspective, um, it was, everything was heightened. Um, you know, access was, was, was even more restricted for me going in. Um, you know, when we agreed to, to go over to Roth and we asked them if we could come and, and, you know, they said they would give us access. And, um, you know, I, I knew from the beginning that I was going to have a, a moto, but I wasn't going to be allowed on course. Right. So the moto is kind of like a media bus. Right. So basically sure. I, I get lined up with the motorcycle driver and we are on our own <clears throat> following local traffic and we're going to certain parts of the course. Um, and we stayed away from all of the craziness. Um, you know, I wasn't going to go to soldier or solar Hill, you know, because it's just, they're, you're dealing with 40 or 50,000 people there. And so we stayed, you know, we always stayed away from there, but, um, you know, but at the time earlier in the year, um, I was supposed to have access up on the run course. Um, but that got taken away. Um, because of safety concerns and eyeballs on, on things. And, um, you know, and then also, um, they had like four times the amount of media applications this year, even after Hamburg. Um, yeah. and so they had to, you know, they had to shift a lot. And, um, you know, I remember being at the finish line and, and I was kind of having like a, a pouty moment for myself, right? Because I was, I was up in the rafters and, uh, I was like, man, this kind of sucks. Like, you know, I'm like looking down, you know, I'm like, I kind of want to be down there. And then all of a sudden I like turned around and there was like 150 photographers behind me who had like nosebleeds. And, um, I had to kind of <clears throat> kick myself in the pants a little bit. Like, you know, you whiny little baby, like you're here at the biggest event in the world and you're complaining that you're five feet away from the finish line instead of two feet away from the finish line. Um, <clears throat> but it was, it was awesome. Um, getting to the swim start was challenging. Um, yeah. and getting to, um, I've got some, you know, some feedback for Felix and his crew because, um, we all got caught, um, not being able to get to the start um, when it came to the actual start of the race. I remember Steve and I, uh, Chelsea's husband, were <clears throat> we were just trying to figure out how to get to the start. And yeah. we kept going into roadblocks of like security, just being like, you can't go there. And like, okay, well, how do you get there? And like, you have to go this way. And it's just like, there's big fences everywhere. And just like, I just looked at him. I'm like, dude, I don't know what the hell to do. And he's just like, yeah, I don't know either. And we eventually like, we had to walk out of transition all the way around. And I barely got to the swim start. And so it took me like 20 minutes to go from the pro transition to make my way to the actual swim start itself. And right. I don't, you know, and there's nothing that you could have done outside of like <clears throat> being personally walked through the day before from like the head security guy of like how to actually get around because the athletes just they got to certain checkpoints and it was just like unless you're an athlete you're not coming no through dice. yeah and so that was a little uh frustrating from that standpoint but at the same time it was just you know you just kind of rolled with it and you know steve was steve's really funny chelsea's husband he's a yeah. he's a hoot man uh he's a really good really good dude to hang out with over the weekend. Um, but it was, it was awesome. It was Briefly, great. uh, yeah. other person who is low key he, hilarious is Jan Fredinho is like someone pay him a lot of money to do commentary when he finally oh. like officially hangs it up because know, he right. is so good. Yeah. 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 Um, he was, he was good. I was able to, um, you know, because, because we got, we had to go to certain spots. Um, 
and there was a couple of times where I was literally standing in a field for like an hour and a half waiting for the pro men and the pro women to, to come through. Cause we got there like 30 minutes before. And then by the time I got to like the fifth or sixth woman to make sure that I got some sort of image of them, you know, it had been a long time. And so I was just, um, you know, I was on our, on our website, watching the live stream, listening to it. And he was, he was comical, man. So yeah, he's I, such a good, like dry sense of humor that mm-hmm, just yeah. fits in so well, but also his anecdotes, right? <laughs> like he was talking, uh, when Laidlow was really starting to struggle with cramping, you know, you brought up like, you know, the hell of slowing down is nothing compared to the hell that you're going to put yourself through mentally right now. And it's just like that, you know, being able to condense that experience into just a single sentence is something Mm -hmm. else. Um, and so, um, but I mean, you know, that race does not end per se with the finish line. Like, there's also no. that volunteer party. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, well, so you've got this finish line, right. And it's, and everyone that's been in the industry for a long time has been to, you know, a 12 o'clock finish at Ironman. And, and if you've, you've been lucky, you've been at the, the big one in, in Kona and they're, they're super special, right. They're, you know, everyone's there, the pros come back. Um, you know, you see these, these people that have been out there suffering for, you know, 16, 17 hours. Um, you know, sometimes they don't even get to finish and they're coming in at 18 hours and, um, you know, and, and they do the same thing, um, at Roth and, but there's this huge stadium and, and it's, and it's total Euro, man. I mean, it is a party. They've got this huge stage with fire coming out of it. They've got these amazing announcers, um, you know, and, and it was just awesome to, to be there. And then they close it all down and they have like this 30 minute laser show that like ends the night afterwards. It used to be the fireworks, um, but they turned it into the laser show for uh, a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, mostly I think it was because of the animals in the, uh, the neighborhood. They just didn't like the fireworks, but couldn't uh, imagine why. Yeah. You know, um, so, but, um, but it was, it was awesome. And then, and then everyone goes home and then at like 10 o'clock the next morning, they've got the award ceremony. And then the following afternoon, they start this volunteer party and, you know, Iron Man does the same thing. Um, I think the difference is, is there's not as many people that show up. Well, usually volunteer parties are before the race. Roth does it after, and they have this huge dinner where all of the volunteers are invited to come back. And it's, and it's, it is pasta again, right? It's like the pasta party. Um, but then they get into like these raffles. So they've got all of these prizes and everyone gets a raffle and, um, you know, but you, you, you get all the, 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 the captains, the volunteer captains, they're like called up, they're recognized. And, um, it's just, it's just really cool. You know, all the pros are there. Um, and then there was the, and then there was the VIP after party, um, as well. And I don't know the name of the DJ that was there, but apparently it was one of the most famous DJs in Germany, um, who raced the race last year. And, and then he, because he raced it and he, he, loved it so much. He like contacted Felix and was like, I want to hold a party afterwards. And I want to be the DJ and, um, good time. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, is that where the, I'm going to bed, I'm too old for this came from. Ben Canute totally. And I, we both were like at like 1130. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we got to go. But yeah, but everybody yeah. else stayed around and they had a good time. That's awesome. I mean, you're you're doing an awfully good job of convincing me to open up the wallet for next year. But <laughs> oh yeah, it's good. Well, we do have, um, and this is going to hit our home site here pretty soon. But we got to figure out how we do it. But we've got two slots that we're able to give away, um, and I think we're going to do it in a giveaway form. Uh, so I'm pretty stoked about that because these are. Um, they're they're two guaranteed slots. You don't um, you don't have to stand in line. 
um, starting 24 hours before the race or the before Monday drawing happens. You don't have to try to get um, in. I was going to say the 90 get seconds on the that they sell out. Yeah, um, and you don't have to go race tough man. Um, so, but we got to figure out how do we how should we do that, Ryan? Should we do? I mean, giveaway? The, what are we going to do? Off the top of my head. This sounds awfully like a tool that we've used for newsletter subscription drives in the past. Ooh, maybe. You know, maybe I need to I need to make some phone calls too. I got to get some partners involved with this thing. We can make this a good one. Yeah, no, like we'll definitely do something. But I mean, just between the the live coverage and the experience that you've been talking about, like I have I've told Andrew Messick this that. Ironman Lake Placid is the best finish line that they have outside of Kona. Mm-hmm. And like just what I saw, what you've described, like that's that's why I do this sport. Like I have to experience that once. Yeah. And then I can say I'm done with 140.6 racing because this distance is so stupid. <laughs> It's, it's a lot yeah so i think i think i think i know what we're going to do with the entries um okay number one you've got to be an american oh because felix wants to drive that yeah well we're also an american company um you got to be an american i think okay. we want to i think we want to track their training we're we're going to we're going to touch base with these individuals over over the course of the year, oh, and uh, we'll do we're going to do the some stories on story. Yeah, yeah, and then we're going to go to Roth next year, and and we're going to cover them during the race. I like it. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. A plus idea. Good yeah. job, Eric. Yeah, it's going to be cool. That's why you own the place. We're hitting our hour on the podcast here. I know. I'm sure people are tired just as tired as you are at this point <laughs> yeah a little, a little tired what do we got coming up on slow twitch this week um so this week we have a couple of product reviews upcoming i finally have um the hoka rocket x2 that i've been able to put some time in on um i'm actually going to do a little bit of a deeper dive on the <laughs> apple watch ultra that um i picked up as part of trying to look at Engo. Um, mm-hmm. And also I have something that's probably not this week, but in the coming weeks, um, I have some position one apparel review, um, their run product line finally hit. And so being able to kind of take a look at that. That's cool. I'm finishing up a Nick's review, the sweat monitor yep. system. Um, I had my first couple of runs with it um, in Germany. Really cool tool, like really, really cool. I've got to actually go buy a Garmin, or not a Garmin watch, an Apple watch now though, because um, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of running with my phone and um, yeah. you got to have like the app going, but apparently it's- Literally disdain running with a <clears throat> phone. I'll yeah. ride with one, like back jersey pocket, no question asked, but like yeah. running, like that's 95% of the reason why I've got the Apple watch ultra. So that way, like I can access my phone if I have yeah. to, but, mm-hmm. yeah. um, very briefly to circle back, Iron Man just put out a press release. 70.3 Montremblant is going to be the same weekend as the full. Oh, wow. For those okay. athletes. So they pushed it back. When is that's a couple months from now. That is August the 20th. Okay. All right. So should be super interesting to see how uh, they pull the logistics of the half and full off. You you heard it first here without hearing it first here. Right. Yes. Breaking news in two days from now. We try. Or three or four or never, depending on if you listen to our podcast. But thank you for listening. Like that's yes. always the key. Thank you. Um, real quick too, big shout out to Felix and everybody at yeah. Roth uh, for allowing us to come over and giving us the access that we needed. We had a lot of bike pictures up, a lot of bike picture profiles. Um, I do want to say that uh, I had a, a good 
time hanging out with Steve and Chelsea Sidoro um, after the race. She's in good spirits. Um, she uh, apparently on her uh, while she was waiting for the ambulance to show up, um, her true champion self came out by looking at her husband and saying, "I think I can go race. What is, what's coming up? Is it? I forget. Is it Frankfurt?" Uh, yeah, it is Frankfurt. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's so she's like, <laughs> she's like DNF'd. She's she's on the ground, like totally crippled. Like ambulance is getting ready. When can and I she, race and again? She literally looks up. She's just like, can we go to Frankfurt? She's like, no, we are going home. So yeah. And on that note. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. See y'all later. Thanks all.